we'll hear the scripture reading, which is taken from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 19, reading from verse 25 to 40. I'll be reading from the New International Version, the NIV. Luke 19, 25 to 40. Sir, they said, he already has ten. Jesus replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethy and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter, you find a cold tie there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, then bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the coat, its owners asked them, why are you untying the coat? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the coat, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices and for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. With a round of applause, Reverend Dr. Fred Digby. Praise the Lord. I realized that the commander was standing there to salute me, you know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, happy Palm Sunday, or happy Easter, or happy whatever it is. Hallelujah. Well, turn to somebody. Say, are you here? Are you ready for the word? I hope you are ready yourself. Have you ever gone to a party and at the end of the party, when people leave, you find 
the host or the celebrant weeping. Hello? Have you? Or oh, you called a party. People came and rejoiced. And when they left, you were weeping. Or even before the party was over, you found yourself weeping. What would cause that? Palm Sunday is a day that we celebrate with great joy because we believe that it is a day, the beginning of the week, that Jesus really demonstrated that whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, I am the Lord, I am the King, and I will allow people to celebrate me. So whatever he used to be shy about, when on that Palm Sunday, at the peak of pilgrims coming from all over the then known world, Jews and Gentiles or Jews and proselytes, when the population of Jerusalem would have increased anything from 300, 400,000 to about half a million to a million, depending on who you read, he decided to purposefully and intentionally march on the city on a donkey. Now, to make matters worse, he accepted all the people who wanted to celebrate him to celebrate him. If you don't think you know what it means, it's just like we have a president of this country. And then some, one day you get out and one party, PYD party, decides that their presidential candidate is going to march to Jubilee House. And to make matters more interesting, there's a motorcade in front of him and all the sirens are tooting. And then some security people go and say, Chief, if you don't want sedition because of what they are saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, save us, save us. If you don't stop these people because this is treason, this is sedition. If you don't stop them, there'll be trouble for you. The man say, hey, my friends, who do you take me for? If these people don't salute, put their cloth for me to stand on or sit on, to ride on, even the very stones will rise up. Now, you have a decision to make. Either that person is a madman, and therefore he should rejoice in his madness and all his followers until they are destroyed. Or he knows what it's about having a coup d'etat and decide what to do. I don't know what you think about Jesus for what he was doing, but at least I know he wasn't a madman. So what he meant to do, he did it. I would have loved to continue with this narrative. But sometimes God will torture you as a preacher and bring you to a point where he wants you to see what he wants you to see and communicate it, whether it is pleasant or not. So after reading and I continue to read, I came to the point that I'm preaching today and the Spirit of God arrested me and he will not give me peace. And that's the message I'm sharing with you. And the topic, as I said, is, was it a day, Palm Sunday, 
a day of joy or a day of tears, ask yourself, where did that parade end? Where did it end? In Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 41 to 48, we are told that as Jesus continued to ride, he rode through all the fanfare, Main Street, Jerusalem, or the ceremonial streets, and they did all the parade and all those things that they did. He bypassed Jubilee House, he bypassed everything, then he went to Independence Square, then he climbed the tallest building he can see over there, or the tallest building in Accra. He went to the uh, World Trade Center. Then he looked at the city of Accra. Friends, how many times did Jesus weep in the Bible? How many? Maybe several times. The first one that we all know, Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, he wept when Lazarus died. How many people do you think were there when he wept? Three, four, ten? But this is the time when Jesus wept publicly. He wept publicly and said things about Jerusalem. He saw the city. He saw the carnival. He saw the kind of lifestyle that was going on. And he said a number of things that later on tend to be very prophetic. Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. How you kill the prophets. Oh, Ghana, all the world, how you have heard me as your savior. But you do not listen to me. He stood somewhere. Just go back to the screen and see what he probably saw. Just take your mind eye to Jerusalem. Or like I said, if you want to be more imaginative as you stand here, you look at all these tall, tall buildings that are here, the villages and all the 35 places. And you look. He looked at those and he was looking and said, all of these things will be destroyed. And what was his purpose? That all these things will be destroyed? Of course, that yellow dome did not exist at that time. But he looked at this vast city and he was standing probably on the, in the Kidron Valley or Mount Scopus looking at Mount Olivet or looking at the Mount Zion and talking about it, that they will be destroyed. And he was weeping. And the disciples were standing there, and ostensibly, some of the people who were following the crowd were standing there and said, Hey, what, what is he crying about? This is the day we are ready to make you a king. We don't want the crying baby of a king. Is he afraid of being arrested or being escorted to what? What is he crying about? Jerusalem. If you could see the trouble that is coming to you, when I offered you the last chance to accept me as Lord and as Savior and turn from your evil ways, you wouldn't. But the days are coming. And when those days come, it will be terrible. They could not console him. They could not. He spoiled the party for the disciples. And the rest continued ignorantly. So he saw the city. Now, the temple that he was talking about, that yellow dome, today if you know anything about the history of Jerusalem, that place was where the temple of Solomon, the temple of David, the temple where they worshipped in his day was standing. What he prophesied 40 to 60 years later on happened. And it happened with such accuracy that his disciples who continued to be faithful heard it and said, no, we are not going to fight the Romans. We are not going to fight anybody who attacks the city. And they ran away. 
what Jesus was displaying there was his compassion over the city. Give me another slide. Now, what he was displaying there was that this city was going to be destroyed. He was showing his compassion for the city and the people who live in the city. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he saw this vast thing. It wasn't in the night. They had come. There were people who were buying and selling and drinking and doing all kinds of things that they wanted to do. And he was looking at them and crying. Because they did not know what lies ahead of them or what lay ahead of them, particularly if they continued in their sin. Well, they continued. They didn't listen. They continued. And later on, the temple was destroyed. Today, I mean, that temple was destroyed. Today, the only thing you have hanging of that temple is this wall that they call the Wailing Wall. Instead of the temple where the Jews who worship, that yellow dome is now a place where Muslims worship, and Jews dare not go there. If you try to go there, whether you are Moshid Dayan or Aaron Sharon or whoever, they say that will bring the third world war. So Jews from all over, or Christians all over, who go there, tourists, they go and stand beside the wall. They call it the Wailing Wall, crying, crying, crying about what? You were told to behave. And you didn't behave, and your temple was destroyed. So now you go and cry. God forbid. It's like, okay, if you don't take time, this building will be destroyed. So we continue in our sin, in our gossip, in our lie, in our all those things, and enemies come and destroy it, or some other religion comes and take it. Now we start crying. Then we come to the car park near Malachi. That's the only place they can allow you to come. They can say, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, forgive us. Lord, have mercy on us. Say, why? Is it too late? That's why Jesus was weeping, because he could foresee, not only as a Messiah, but a prophet, as a king of kings, as the owner of the world, offering the chance for his people to repent. And they wouldn't. So they come in their numbers. And what are they crying about? Well, he's still listening. Some come there and take inspiration and learn that we should not continue in our sin. Well, that is not the most important thing. This is history. But I'm telling you, the compassion that Jesus shows or showed there, I can tell you that when today, Palm Sunday or whatever we call it, Jesus is looking at this world, this 21st century world. He's still crying over the world and crying over you and I. Because some of the sins have been sown, they have fermented, they have been multiplied, and they have become even worse. And people have become even worse. Let me just name some of them for you. Now, now give, me, give me the points first before we go to the slide. What are some of the things that are keeping this world in a crisis? If you look at the world that the Lord, the Lord loves that he came and died for, that on that day he was offering the gift of salvation to. The world that Jesus would look at today, the world he died for, and he left you and I to be his witnesses. It is ravaged by pandemic. Coronavirus is not the only one. It's not the only thing killing people. It's killing us left and right. It's ravaged by rising poverty and inequality. During the coronavirus, Four people made more money than the rest of the 99% of the world combined. 
And the gap between the rich and the poor is getting ever and ever widened. And when you hear statistics about Ghana, it, it, it doesn't give us any good news at all. Rising poverty. Whereas God has given us enough resources to feed everybody. But some out of greed and power and struggle are keeping to themselves. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And some of us are perpetrating that. Then there's insecurity. We're even wondering whether we're going to have church service today or not. Because those of you who are late, <laughs> there may have been a police signal. Oh, churches on Palm Sunday, Easter, there must be 100 people keeping two meters different, one hour service. You say, what? Saturday night, Sunday night, I was praying, sending news all around before he came back and the police corrected themselves. In the midst of crisis, states take over power. Security takes over power and they determine what to do. Those of us who have been joking about all kinds of things, if you check your email and you check your WhatsApp and you start talking about 5G, you talk to those things, look, you must be sleeping not to know that somebody is listening to your conversation and the things that are going on. Ask somebody, a very prominent <laughs> lawyer, how come that when you receive an email, before you can reply, two or three replies are suggested to you. He says artificial intelligence. I say, yeah, I know. You call it artificial intelligence. Who is processing? Who has access to all of that? Growing insecurity. And I know it has existed. As far back as 1984, when I was a student in America, they killed Gaddafi's son next to his room. And we were listening to the commentaries. And they were asking, why didn't they kill Gaddafi? Because he was next year. And the commentator said, it was not, a, the decision was not to kill him. That was a political decision. The decision was to show him that we know where you are and we can get you when we want to get you. Far back as 1984. If God is not your savior, your security is not in God and it's in your house and your gadget, forget it. And it's getting even worse. Take human rights, whatever they call human rights, and its abuses. I'll not even go there. The domestic violence, the abuse of spouses, the abuse of opportunity, it can go on and on. I will not spend my time on too many of them. Climate-related natural disasters. We have spoiled our environment. We spoiled it. We can't tell when it's summer or winter or hamatan or whatever. Our environment is polluted. Water, we can't drink it. It's full of cyanide. You are breathing, you are breathing all kinds of things. Some of you know more about these things than I do. But I'm just telling you, the world that Jesus loves and is left, that we must enjoy it and occupy till he comes. When he's looking today, this is the world, he's full of compassion. He's got political instability. How can anybody think in this world that in the almighty so-called United States of America, People will get up and march on their building and they want to crush the senators and the Congress and do all of that. Wow! Even in Ghana, they didn't stage coup d'etat like that. At least they went to some radio station and it was decent. Pam, 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 pam. One was, they said, hey, I mean, that's how they did it. 
But look at America before the cameras, wearing horns and like lions and leopards and gorillas. Incredible. Political instability, half a family breakdown. <laughs> and so, in Canada, a so-called civilized country, a man has a daughter. The daughter goes to school. The daughter comes back and says, I am a boy. The father says, you are my daughter. The court rules that she is a boy. The father says, you are my daughter. The father is in contempt of court, jailed for doing that. A woman has a husband in Texas. She gets pregnant. Later on, she gives birth to twins. The boys, the man looks at the two boys, and they are different. He does a paternity test. He finds the twins from the womb. One is his child, the other one is not his child. They interview this one on public TV. She says, oh, yes, one month after I became pregnant, I went and slept with a man. And I didn't know this would happen. It has happened. Is she sorry? The man says, okay, well, well, in Ghanaian law, I think anybody, a child is anybody born within the wedlock, eh? That's how we say in law. So she, he has two children. And the two children belong to the father. One is the biological child. The other one was carried by the womb for the mother, who instead of repenting of adultery or does no, she's rejoicing. She's one in a million. She's a star. Oh, Jesus. Now, go and show those slides. Oh, this is the mother, this is the father and the daughter. The daughter is now a boy. <laughs> And the school says it's a boy. The court says it's a boy. She's what she says she is. 14-year-old child. Family breakdown. I'm saying, is Jesus laughing today? Well, we'll see some more. Now, go on. Let's see the slides. Now, what does the world glamorize these days? Look at them. This is gay pride. Gay pride. This, I think this is the one from London. Madrid, Spain, those who were crying when Corona hit them, they were crying and on the floor, crying. This is gay pride. Red, blue, green, what does it mean? Rainbow, all the colors of the rainbow are correct. And they are in Ghana crying. Show the other ones. Gay pride. This is carnival in Brazil. Where they do all the bestiality. One time we went for a meeting, well, Council of Churches, when we were closing, we ran into carnival. I said, Gan, Lord God, may Ghana never come to that place. Whether it is foolishness or nakedness or whatever or drunkenness and this. Hi, I said, look, whether it is demons or whatever they are worshiping. And thousands and millions. You will never see a parade or a crusade or a church service where they will be like that. But this one, a petition, all the drinks flowing freely. Give you another one. This is the world. And Jesus will be happy. Look at another one. Which one is this? Eh? London. There used to be the bastion of civilization, keeping Christian standards, King James of 1611, purity, steadfastness, revival, John Wesley, Charles Wesley, John Knox, all of that. This is lesbian, gay, LBGTQIZZY parade, public. They don't care whether there's TV or TV or whatever it is. This is it. 
And you sit in this small village called Accra, Ghana, you are flexing your muscles. We are more civilized than you. God forbid. You think Jesus is happy? Now, <laughs> I think we are fed up. Which one is it? Rio Carnival, Rio, Brazil. Now for them, they live it. Now, what I'm saying is this. The world that Jesus was crying about on that Palm Sunday that we are rejoicing, my God, oh, he's bigger, he's bigger, he's bigger. It wasn't a funny world for him at all. Because imagine that all these are your children and you're offering them salvation and you're coming to die for them and this is how they are living and you know that their end is destruction. Oh, where some are sitting in some bus stop somewhere called Calvary Baptist Church, Shashi, and they are waiting for the bus to come so that you can go to heaven and shout, Hello, oh Lord, we have come, we worship you. You say, are you, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Thank God I saved you, but I saved you for a purpose. So that was Jesus. He cried at the end of the party. If I can get you to weep, that'll be fine. But my purpose is not to get you to weep. Because you see what Jesus did about it. Go to the next one. The compassion of Jesus. That was Sunday after the parade. That's why he ended on the hill and telling Jerusalem what is going to happen. The next Monday morning, he showed his anger. He went to church. He went to the temple. And when he went there, what did he see? He saw you and I with their gorgeous dresses, with their calabule things that they were selling, with all the funny, funny things that they were doing. One, pastor was, one, one businessman was telling me a story about what actually happened in the church. This pastor owed. He couldn't pay. So the man gave him notice that I am going to sue you and take you to court. I'll sue you to all that, and he borrowed money to build some prestigious houses. So the guy said, I'll take you on. You'll never forget. He said, come. I'm going to raise money. You pray with me and pray with me that the church service will be good. At the church service, the man under prophetic anointing said, everybody, today I'm going to teach you how to have dominion and authority over money and money will never control you again. Amen? Say amen. Oh, I don't want to listen. Say Amen. Amen. So take your wallet. Take your wallet. Look at your wallet. Look at your purse. The largest denomination you have in your pocket. Take it. Put it down. They put that. Put your foot on it. Under my foot. Under my foot. Under my foot. Under my foot. Okay, they did. The next one. Which was the next highest one? Put it down there. Some of you, if you had faith enough that money has been controlling you, and today will be the end of that. Empty everything from your pocket and put it down. Very well educated well-mannered, professionals, tongue-speaking, water-drinking Christians, they poured the money, this and that. Then he said, now, if you truly have taken authority over this money, please, collect all of them. Collect all, please. Please, please, please. Oh, Deacon Bento, you are the accountant. Oh, oh, Mrs. Wuva, okay. No, please, please, please. You truly have authority. Okay, okay. Here's my head of administration. Please, all of you, just put it here, put it here, put it, put it here. They collect all the money. Don't touch it, don't touch it. You are, you are, what is the purpose of this prayer meeting? It is having dominion and authority over money. You step on it. 
And that's the anointing and the revelation I have from the Lord. See, I told you I used to be an actor. And if you want to act all of these things, we can act it. The following day, he called the man. How much did you say I owe you? Tuesday morning, take my check, go, it will be honored. And Tuesday, the man went, said, it's finished. The man couldn't believe it. So Jesus went to the temple. He saw all these people who were masquerading thieves and liars, pseudo-Christians, pseudo-prophets, stomach direction, telling lies, selling pigeons and parrots and all these contaminated things, abominable things, and collecting them. He whipped them. Why? Because you are supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He was angry. He beat them and he whipped them. Would he beat us? Would he whip us? Would he be angry with us? Because it's not about the world. After the world, in John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil. He's the one who orchestrates all these things. But I've left you as salt and I've left you as light. And I demonstrated for you to see how king, I'm a king of kings. I have power unequal to any. He whipped them. Because my house shall be known as a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of what? Thieves. What I told you about that one. You see, do you see any comfort doing any magic better than that? Do you see anybody, any charlatan doing what that pastor or evangelist did? Oh, God have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on your people. Lord, have mercy on us. And you think Jesus is happy with us? Do you think some of the people, when they leave there, they will ever go to church again? He was angry. By all these things are written for us to learn. Then he didn't, he didn't stop there. You see the third one. And so the next few days, he continued to teach and to preach and give an example of what they ought to do what they ought to do, what they ought to do. The courage of Jesus in verse 47 and 48. Give me those verses. He continued. After Monday, when he had demonstrated, you see, the anger was such a righteous anger that he was more powerful than Samson. They couldn't come near and take this one person and just discipline him and bundle him somewhere because the Holy Ghost was on him. So, every day, he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the leaders among them, people were trying to kill him. He knew that this is what would happen. And he continued. And yet, they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung onto his words. Our courageous God, may you receive his courage. May his tears be your tears. May his compassion be our compassion. And may we not be known as a, den, a place of a den of thieves and robbers, but a place where the truth, no matter how bitter it is, we soak ourselves with repentance and re-baptism and re-firing and say, Lord, Lord, keep the remnant. You see, it would be a bad story if it didn't end well with that prophecy in Jerusalem. What I'm saying is that when he was saying those things and he was crying, some of the disciples heard it. And he continued in their midst. And so, when in AD 70, the attack came, some of the disciples said, hey, this is what our Lord was saying. Oh, this is what he was saying. Let's pray for the city. After praying for the city, they said, no, no. He said, look, 
pray and run. Pray and run. Pray and talk and run. Ask people to repent, otherwise run. And historically, most of the Christians who stayed faithful ran out of the city. And to, to, till today, unforgiving Jews hold it against their Christian brothers and sisters that when they were in trouble, they ran away from them. Why? They chose to obey their master. Hello, will you choose to be a servant of the Lord and obey your master? Three quick applications. What are we going to do? The day your Lord wept, is he weeping today? Jesus, earlier on, preached someone on the mount. You know, sometimes when I, I was interacting with myself and the Holy Spirit and the Lord, and I said, Lord, you cry, you came. You are the Olga, quata, 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 quata. You came, but they didn't even mind you. What about me? You know? Oh, you don't think like that, eh? Even Jesus said they didn't mind him. But in Matthew 5, 4, and 6, he tells us something. Blessed, happy are those who mourn. Who mourn, not because somebody is dead. I mean, the thing that are happening, it grieves you. It, you are disappointed. You almost seem helpless. Say, no, this is not the world that God created. Things ought not to be like that. You are doing something about it. He says, you'll be comforted. Because there are some, when evil is happening, they don't mourn, they don't care, they don't do anything. They actually compromise. They give you high five. You did the right thing. Where you got the money from? Where you got those twins from? You have set a record. If they sue you, we'll share the money. <laughs> because sometimes the structures of this world, there are, are young people here, but I'll tell you something. In a hotel room somewhere in the U.S., a lady was cleaning the room, and she saw a gentleman's account. Wow, some young guy. And the account... Bank balance looked very good. Later on, she, he noticed that the man has been changing uh, girls frequently. So later on, as she went over to clean, she saw a condom, used condom in the trash bag. She picked it and inserted it into herself. And had a pregnancy and had a child and said, God forbid, Cecil, this is your child. I can use him. This is your child. The man said, Heaven and hell. He said, Why? So I work in your hotel. He said, No. If God is not for you, if God, you see, that's why you ought to believe in God. It is only God who knows the truth. So this DNA, they follow the DNA. Said, Charlie, the child is like you. The nose is like you. It's like this and that and that and that. And this woman, you are denying her. Then all the Me Too women, eh, men are like that. They are liars. They are cheats. They are this. They are that. Blah, 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 blah. And they awarded that woman $1.2 million. She took it. Later on, she had a crisis of conscience. And she confessed that she had never seen the man. They never had sex. 
And she collected it from the dustbin and inserted it in herself. But the DNA proved that it's his child. Sometimes they can trap you. Only God knows the truth. Friends, love God and serve God and be truthful to him. Technology, 5G, all those things they are calling. What they call 666, for me, it is human, human things. Sometimes human things can trap you and set you up and you have nothing to do. That's what they did to Jesus. He's the Roman government. He said he's going to overthrow them. So what is the charge? He made himself king of the world. I am Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. They're charging. Did he do it? Oh, yes. The lawyers were there. Ah, didn't you see him? They were parading on the street. Didn't you see them? Yes. They said stop. He didn't stop. But there are some who mourn, who are hungry that the kingdom should come. God's will be done on earth as in heaven. And they make sure that they do not defile themselves with that blood. Secondly, Jesus is not naive. He knows that if this foolish devil in heaven could orchestrate and cause a rebellion, then on earth, most of us who are here, he has more than six or 10,000 years experience than you. And Jesus told his disciples something. I'm sending you out. He said, the harvest is plentiful. You see all those people we, we, we are looking, you see the numbers? There are ways of looking at them. You may look at them and say, this people they deserve hell. Yeah, fine, they deserve hell. <laughs> Jesus looked at them, giving the verse. He said, look at them. It's just like the two, an old story about two people who were sent to Africa to come and sell us shoes. The first one came and said, oh, these people, they don't even wear shoes. So don't waste your time. Because they will not buy the shoe. They don't even have money. They will not even buy shoe. The best they can wear is Aphromosis. Those who are not old enough, you don't know what Aphromosis. The other ones, hey, these people, they need the shoes, Papa. All these things that are going on, that is causing Jesus to weep. He said, look, my children, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. And particularly for those of us who say, we are living by his spirit. We have celebrated the Holy Spirit. We are overcoming life's challenges through the Holy Spirit. There are people that the devil is riding like a horse and taking them to hell. Can we ask God for effective, spirit-filled evangelism, power evangelism, and whatever it takes to bring some of these people to the Lord and disciple them. Say, so, oh, there are only, what, 2.3 billion, 30 billion, 30, 33 billion people who say they are Christian. It means there are 6 billion more. Lord, cause us not to fail you. May the Lord answer that prayer and receive that anointing, the power of the Spirit that will make the Lord happy. That on the Palm Sunday, when I wept, my tears became tears of joy. Because some caught it and they were not dulled to the things around them. They are mourning, they are crying, but they are up because they received the anointing to lead and to have effective spirit-led spirit -led ministry. The third, the last, 
not because I don't have more to say. But sometimes I learned that if you overload people, it comes in one ear, it goes the other one. Being faithful stewards. What does that mean? Being faithful. First Corinthians 4, 2. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. The Lord has called us. What gifts has he given you? What time has he given you? What money has he given you? What opportunity has he given you? Even those who are annoying you, <laughs> they are testing you. What fruit are you bearing from that annoyance? And when he comes, will he hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant? Let's bow our heads in prayer. On the day of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, he ended up weeping because he had compassion for the world. You have compassion? The things that are happening around you, around us, the bribery, the corruption, the politics, the abuse of office and power, the lying, the cheating. Even including the church and all these institutions. Does it concern you? Does it concern you? What is the Lord telling you? What are you going to do about it?
this, this is a call to us here. I, I, I think that Jesus is looking at the church. We're not even looking into the world right now and he, he is weeping over us. Maybe you haven't prayed for Calvary Baptist Church yet, but you weep. Because so this is a church God is gifted with all kinds of gift. But when we need people to use the gift, we can't find them. This is a church that we call for 30-day fasting. And it almost appears we select people to fast for us. This is a church that we know the right teaching, the sound doctrine. This is a church we teach family life. But if you hear the cases coming out of families, you weep. Today, let's start with us. Let not this message be about them. Before we pray for people of LGBT and pray for all other groups, I want us to pray for ourselves. Just take a minute and weep over you. Weep over the church. Weep with Jesus of what is happening in your own home. How you are treating your wife. How you are treating your husband. How you are treating the children. Let us start from home. Because of some of you, your children says they won't come to church again. It must cause you to weep. If we lose the battle at home, we have no right to do a battle in church or for the world. Will you talk to God right now? This message is not for them. It's for me. It's for you. Let us start. I am not quick to do an altar call for people who we can't even bring to church anymore. Because ourselves and our consciences do not allow us to tell our colleagues to come to church anymore. Will you talk to God? Let's not rush the service. I beg of you. Let, let this be a Palm Sunday. Because see, Jesus is about to take the whip at us. He didn't go to whip the people who were selling on the market doing Kalabuli. He came right to church to whip people, to whip them, to whip them. Liba Tahabas. pray that you can repent today you it will start with you so don't pray for anyone pray for yourself say lord forgive me because if the lord should look to my life right now maybe as a pastor i have failed i was given a list to call people i call one two three and i get tired i get tired if this word cannot change you it won't it won't change the world around us it will not Lord, forgive us. If you have failed as a father, talk to God. If you failed as a mother, talk to God. If you have failed in the very gift the Lord gave to you to serve in the church, let's not do church as usual. This is Palm Sunday. Is he in tears or is he in joy? Forgive us, Lord. Talk to God. Lord, forgive me. 